I'm convinced, again, one of our biggest problems is we, we spend more time telling people what Jesus wants of us as opposed to who Jesus is. Because what Jesus wants of us makes this a very complicated religion. But who Jesus is makes this a very personal relationship. You're listening to the Ascension Roundtable Podcast. Episode 29, Catechesis Needs Conversion. An interview with Dr. Bob Rice. Catechesis, evangelization, theology. You've certainly heard these terms, but what's the relationship between them? And when it comes to catechesis, how can we make sure we lead people to deeper intimacy with Christ instead of just filling their heads with information that doesn't affect their hearts? In this episode, Dr. Bob Rice shares advice on how to make catechesis come alive. And he reminds us that the most important ministry that happens in our lives is the ministry that God does within our own hearts. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today we're on the line with Tom McCabe in Atlanta and Dr. Bob Rice, who lives in Steubenville, Ohio, because he is uh, actually works for the Franciscan University of Steubenville. He is the director of Masters of Arts in Catechetics and Evangelization. He's also a writer, a musician, um, a husband and father. And uh, a great man and a very funny man. So today should be uh, a lot of fun. No pressure, Bob, but we want to laugh a lot. Yeah, the worst is when you introduce somebody as funny, now they're all like, all right, make us laugh, monkey boy. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And go. (laughs) So how's it going? I'm excited that you're on today. Yeah, it's wonderful to be here with both of you guys. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you, Bob. I tell you, um, uh, just Alan and I have talked for a long time about the – the desire to have you on the show, just because you did do stand-up comedy years ago. But that, aside from that, that's just all, uh, everything that you've been able to accomplish. Right, wait, no, I need to clarify. It wasn't stand-up. It was improv. But they're totally, totally different. They're totally, totally different things. Let me explain. Oh, that's right. So stand-up guys, like they are perfectionists. They work on the same joke a thousand times till they get it right. Improv people say whatever comes to the top of their head, and then they forget what they said. So – uh, improv is usually more team-based as well, so you're always relying on other people. So I, I admire greatly stand-up people. I could never I could never be one of them. But improv is fun. So you don't really even have to apologize for what you say if you're doing improv, right? Because you're just – it's actually whatever comes to your mind. Right. Yeah, that's exactly it. And people pay you for it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so, so even more pressure for today because this was not planned, and it's just right. whatever comes to the top of your head. So. Yeah. Nor am I getting paid. So really, it's all- <laughs> – now, Tom, you guys have known each other for a while. Is that correct? Well, actually, we had met years and years ago. But um, aside from that, you both get involved and do your life work and, and all of that. Um, but uh, I think years ago when he was doing some of the youth conferences at Steubenville, Bob, and then um, uh, there was an opportunity for me to teach in the catechetics department where Barbara Morgan brought me. I think it may, may have been before you were on board and Sister Johanna who had come on board. And so I went out there for a few weeks in the summer took some courses and we talked through it and I decided I would, I wouldn't teach at Franciscan university because I said, there's somebody better coming, somebody much better. <laughs> and right? that was somebody else. But yeah. Came- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. It's a real blessing to be a part of the university and uh, that catechetics program, as Tom was just mentioning, it's, it's uh, generated a lot of amazing alumni. I mean, Tom and I were at the, uh, Orlando conference, uh, the, the convocation rather this this uh, this last July, and it was just amazing to see how many Franciscan alum were 
doing great stuff for the church. It's kind of, it's just an honor to be a part of it. And I'm stunned that I worked there. I never had any aspiration of being a professor in a classroom. I thought I was just going to be a youth minister until the day I died. And, uh, you know, God had a sense of humor about it. So <laughs> here I am, even with a doctorate and everything. It's really, it's really crazy. Now, are you involved in any of the uh, conferences over the summer? Yeah, that's a real, that's a huge blessing in my life. In fact, uh, next summer will be my 25th summer of youth conferences. I started back in wow. Or Yeah, it's totally nuts. I came, I came in right out of college. Um, and I help plan them. Um, you know, I'm on that, the team, uh, the theme development group. Uh, I lead worship at some of them. I host others. We have 25 conferences all around North America. I think we have two in Canada and the rest are in the United States. We, last summer we reached over 50,000 teenagers. It's one of the largest, uh, Catholic youth movements in North America. And, and it's just exciting. You know, the thing that excites me the most about being a part of those conferences is every year CARA does research on seminarians and what were their influences, you know, as they're becoming in the priesthood. And I think last summer it was 14% of priests who were ordained had attended or influenced by a student youth conference, which is unreal. And it's unreal to think actually that's 10 years old data. I mean, they were in high school then. Wow. So they've gone through college, gone through seminary, and are now and, – and that was when we were only reaching about half the numbers. So it's it's really thrilling to see the movement of the Holy Spirit and what God's been doing uh, through those conferences. It's fun to be a part of. Wow. Bob being the uh, – or sorry, Dr. – is it Dr. Bob? Dr. Rice? Dr. Bob Rice? Yeah, that's a how good you, question. You, yeah, you can, you can call me by my first name, which is Dr. Okay. All right, Dr. <laughs> <laughs> Um, being the director of people that are getting their master's in catechetics and evangelization, we're hoping that you might know something about catechetics. Um, yeah, so, so, university, so. <laughs> and that's our topic for today. Hey, so, fantastic. Uh, so how about this? Why don't we just, uh, I'm just going to ask you a question. What is catechesis? And then I'm going to let Tom, um, kind of take the, take the conversation from there. So, so Dr. Bob Rice, in your humble and professional opinion, what is catechesis? Well, I'll, because I'm a researcher, I'll quote somebody else on that one. And uh, my favorite my favorite line about catechesis comes from St. John Paul II. In fact, I remember sitting in class, and it just blew me away. When uh, St. John Paul II, in a document he wrote on catechesis in our time, Catechesi Tridende is the Latin title, said that catechesis, uh, the, aim of, the definitive aim of catechesis is to put people not only in touch with, but in intimacy, in communion with Jesus Christ. And that was a powerful line for me, and it really changed the way I thought about catechesis. Before I started studying it, I thought it was a very educational endeavor. I thought it was all about intellectual formation, and that's kind of where it stopped. And John Paul II's emphasis on, no, it's about being intimate. It's, a, it's an intimate kind of knowledge really changed my entire perspective and just opened me up to the real beauty of what it means to be a catechist and what it means to catechize others. You know, Bob, that is a such a um, a good quote. You're right, and I remember hearing that myself several times from Barbara Morgan when I was at Steubenville, uh, Franciscan University, rather. And uh, uh, she had come in as close to when we were heading out, but we, she and I became very close because I started helping her uh, with RCIA at the university, and um, um, so um, would spend a lot of time with her and. Uh, uh, she, she remember, I remember her telling me that. And one of the things she said to us students as we were heading out, well, granted, we were these hotshots just finishing our master's in theology, right? And, <laughs> and, and I remember her pointing her finger at us and she says, 
if you guys go out there, right, and I'm getting calls from parishes and from uh, from bishops saying that you guys, you know, you're theologizing, but you're not reaching people, and you've got baseball bats in your hands, uh, and you're 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 getting the faith, you're trying to get the, the faith across, and you think you are, but you're not relevant, and you're not reaching the people, and you're not bringing them to the the person of human uh, person of Jesus Christ. I will personally come out there and knock your heads together, right? And I, we all were laughing, and she's just like she's she's joking, but she's extremely no, she's not laughing. She's ve- she's vehement, and she's almost yelling at us. But she's she's going to this point that you're talking about there, taking them into intimacy with the person of Jesus Christ. It's not it's not just uh, an idea. Right. It isn't a, just a doctrine. It may be a doctrine, but that doctrine is speaking about a person. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what she was really trying to get across to us. Um, and I think that's being, what you're, you're telling us. She was being metaphorical, too. Right. Like you didn't she didn't expect you to. She wasn't thinking you're going to actually walk out there with baseball bats and like threaten <laughs> people to <laughs> come to the faith yeah. or else. <laughs> I could only hope. Well, you know, there is a way that, um, you know, we can get so excited about the truth. I mean, I think the truth is like a scalpel. You know, in the hands of a surgeon, it can do great things. In the hand of an idiot, you can just cut somebody <laughs> up. You can be right and say it in all the wrong ways, yeah. you know, and, and really turn somebody off from uh, the real beauty of, of the truth of the gospel. And, you know, theology is an amazing science. Uh, you know, in its nature, it's a speculative science. And I would say that catechesis comes forth from that. But it's not, um, you know, but catechesis is seeking conversion. Theolo- theology isn't necessarily seeking conversion by its nature. It's it's the science of the study of God and the study of the faith. And so you need that background. But just having that study of the faith doesn't mean that you're able to apply it in a way that would bring about conversion, that would lead people into intimacy with Jesus Christ. And I think there is a bit of a tension, at least academically, between where does theology begin and or where does theology end and catechesis begin? Or is catechesis kind of a theology light? Or, you know, how do all these things work together? And you really can't separate them too much. Uh, I, I love uh, Benedict, Pope Benedict once said that really in the early church, all the theologians were catechists. That there was no distinction between the two because every doctrine that was being clarified and understood in all the patristics uh, really became the heart of what we know of the creed, the sacraments, morality, and prayer, those four pillars of catechesis that have always really been foundational in understanding how we might articulate the, the faith. So that tension is there, and I think sometimes— we can struggle with it even in catechesis because um, we can get very excited about a theological topic, but we have to start asking ourselves the question, Are we? is this bringing about conversion? Is the aim intimacy with Jesus Christ? There's nothing wrong with the, you know getting excited about a theological topic. And sometimes you can be in an environment, you know, I teach at Franciscan, I'll be teaching in a theology class. I'm not teaching for conversion per se, I'm teaching that they would have a deeper understanding of it. But, you know, it's kind of like working with nuclear matter. You're always getting converted if you're doing it the right way. You're always getting changed. You're always getting transformed because the more we know, the more we're able to love. And and that's, I think, the goal of it in catechesis is that we're not learning about Jesus like we want to pass a test. We're learning about him like we're getting to know a friend, like we're getting to know a spouse, really using the imagery that is throughout scripture. And that that deeper love, understanding, knowledge is really what catechesis is going for. I remember Barbara talking to us about uh, these sort of this pendulum um, mm-hmm. that swings back and forth. You know, uh, which catechesis Turende speaks about. About you know, you begin with understanding at one end of the of the pendulum, right? And you're helping mm-hmm. the person 
but catechesis endeavors then to take them to the place of conversion, right? So it swings to the other side. Uh, so it, it's this constant back and forth. It isn't just theologizing or helping to, to have understanding. Really, if we're if we're catechizing, if I understand it correctly, what you're saying, then that you swing to the other end. It's it's really the head and the heart, right? right. Because I think um, I, what I meet with with various catechists who are out there, and me maybe being at fault at times in myself, where you might be skeptical of those who are too much of the of the heart or the witness model or that kind of thing, and then those who are maybe like want want to share, help them to, you know share that witness. They might be skeptical of those that are may want to really talk about understanding. Uh, at, at the other end of the spectrum, and there may be a, a skepticism of the other person's approach, mm. but it really, yeah. it really is both, right? It's 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 understanding what we're uh, who who God is or whatever the, the the topic is, but then taking them to a, a a deeper level of conversion of turning their hearts to Christ. Yeah, absolutely, and I would say all of that, even to put it in another context, needs to work in the broader work of evangelization. And I think, I think one of our biggest problems we have in the United States, at least dealing with younger people in terms of catechesis, is that we uh, separate catechesis from the work of evangelization, as opposed to seeing it, as the church talks about, uh, catechesis as a moment within evangelization. But that first moment is more of a missionary discourse. It's an It's an explanation and an exploration of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the person starting to have interests uh, starting to ask questions, uh, you know, about their place in the world and their relationship with God. And, and we start answering those and we start walking with them. I, I don't think we do that very well uh, as Catholics, at least in the United States. You know, catechesis in some ways can seem to be safe. We have a curriculum. We have questions we ask. We're supposed to cover this subject this semester and then we move on. And evangelization can be messy. We're getting into people's lives. We're seeing what's going on in their family. But you know, when you look at what Pope Francis has been encouraging, you know, this joy of the gospel, this going out and having, you know, being missionary disciples, you know, do we think of ourselves as missionaries? Catechesis is a huge and important part of that, but it depends on these other things. I'm convinced, again, one of our biggest problems is we, we spend more time telling people what Jesus wants of us as opposed to who Jesus is. Because what Jesus wants of us makes this a very complicated religion, but who Jesus is makes this a very personal relationship. And with that relationship, then everything else makes sense and everything else really comes alive in, in, a, in a deeper way. And I think that's where you get, Tom, both, as you were saying, both the head and the heart, because it can't be one without the other on either extreme. Um, you know, just like I can't love my wife and not know about her, you know, and also I just can't keep my knowledge of my wife purely intellectual without being, uh, you know, having affection and being effective, you know, in, in the way I relate that. And again, that goes back to that. Um, that marriage analogy, you know, that marriage, that nuptial imagery that goes all throughout Scripture. That's one of the things I love about what you do at Franciscan. You're the director of catechesis and evangelization. And, and yeah. you know, we have a seems like there's a movement in the church to have departments of, of evangelization. And I think that's great. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that at all. But it's almost like, like you said, we're separating the two out and it should be part of um, catechesis is a moment inside evangelization. The two definitely go, go hand in hand. Um, so I think it's great that you guys recognize that and are, are, you know, educating people in that and sending them out with that in mind. So that's awesome. Why Amen. don't we um, take a quick break? And when we come back, I'd love to, um, you mentioned what the parishes look like um, a little bit. I'd love for you to talk about that just a little bit about how the, um, what the landscape looks like out there in the United States Catholic Church parishes, if you will. Cool. Sound good? All right. Okay, guys, stay with us. We'll be right back. 
Hi, this is Father Mike Schmitz. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie and Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. That's youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. And we're back talking with Dr. Bob Rice today. You know, one of the things that um, is kind of a, a pet peeve, I guess, of mine is that I think we have the best news in the world. Like we have the best news to share with people, but for some reason we tend to board it up quite a bit. You know, and it's really, it's really a tragedy, actually. Um, and not that I want to sound accusational or, or, or condemning to the parishes out there, but I think there's just a lot of, uh, I've just met a lot of teens at a lot of different places in the country that say they grew up going to CCD or PSR or whatever, and it was boring. They didn't learn anything. They're coming to confirmation and they have no idea what the faith is. And so I've just heard that a lot. It was boring. And I think how in the world did we bore that thing up? So can you talk a little bit about, about that perhaps? Well, I I think, you know, I'm trying to remember who said it once, but people who are in love are never bored. And I think the issue is that when someone says that they find the faith boring, I I hear that as they're not in love. And, Mm -hmm. You know, I am, you know, I've been married now for 20 years, madly in love with my wife, and I could probably bore you all with stories of my wife because you're not in love with her as I am. And because I'm so in love with her, I could think that, gosh, everybody must be equally in love with her because I'm so in love with her. And that's not necessarily the case unless you get a chance to really hang out with her and get to know her. And then I'm confident you'll fall more in love with her because she's absolutely awesome. A similar thing, I think, in terms of our faith. We who really love Jesus, we can make the false assumption that because we love Jesus, everybody else must therefore love Jesus. And if they've not had an experience with Jesus, an encounter of the risen Christ, then nothing that we say, I mean, the stuff we say is really going to be boring. We're just talking about something that we're interested in or someone that we really like. And we don't give them the deeper experience of letting Jesus show up. I mean, you look at, you know, the whole narrative of St. Thomas, I mean, St. Thomas, right? The Apostle Thomas. And he had the exact same experience as all the other apostles, except he wasn't in the upper room that one day. I don't know where he was. Maybe he was getting pizza or groceries, (laughs) but he wasn't in that room. And they had an experience of the risen Christ and he didn't. And you see how the dramatic shift is, you know, these other apostles are hopeful, joyful. They want to share and he is entrenched and he's digging in his heels and he's like, you know, until I touch his wounds, there's no way I'm ever going to believe this stuff. And I think in some ways that can be some people that we're trying to catechize. We're, tra- we're begging him. We're, we're, we're talking to him. We're reaching out to him. But they need that, in- that encuentro, that encounter, um, you know, that moment of real intimacy with Jesus that, that you, can, you can talk about and you can prepare a little bit with, but has to happen in their life. And that means I think as catechists, we need to leave more room for the Holy Spirit. To, to let that happen and, and to bring about those, uh, those moments of encounter in people's lives. Then, Bob, what would that, what would that look like then? I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I think we've all experienced parishes like that. You're right. Where uh, Maybe even my own kids. I'm not saying my own kids have ever said that, that you know, okay, <laughs> because they're totally in love. But, uh, that's no. a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but uh, so um, – Practically speaking, then um, for for our listeners, we have yeah. youth ministers, we have DREs, mm-hmm. marriage and family ministers, all of them out there, and we're all trying to reach people. 
right? And we try things that work, that things that don't work. Um, can you give us some practical things then? Um, just so, so how do we, how do we do this? How do we, how do we make the, the catechesis come alive? Um, and it's different for different people, right? I mean, kids and adults, but do you have any pointers on what we could do just to make it come alive for them? Yeah, I would, I have a few thoughts on that. I mean, the first one is, um, you know, the general director of catechesis says over and over again that evangelization moves in slow stages. Uh, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And that can be really frustrating at times um, that, you know, just like, you know, the analogies that Jesus used, so many of them were farming analogies. There's seasons. It takes time. You've got to till the soil. You've got to plant the seeds. You've got to water the soil. You've got to wait. You know, you have to get the right conditions. And so um, we're eager to have a quick answer, you know, especially I think in our culture, which is so used to instant gratification and we're so used to dramatic narratives where within the hour or two hours of a movie, uh, the person's gone from one place and is a completely different place. And and that just doesn't happen. So I, I think patience is a, is a really, really big part of it because sometimes you never know the work you're doing is going to be fruitful. You just might not get to see that fruit. In fact, I would say it's unlikely you'll get to see that fruit. And the fruit you get to see will probably be somebody else's fruit. <laughs> it'll be their parents. It'll be their grandparents. It'll be somebody else that had been working with them for a while, and you got to be at the retreat where it all came together, and they got to see the light. Um, witness is the biggest one. Uh, you know, this, again, is one of the major themes of Pope Francis's Joy of the Gospel. It is an evangelizer can't look like they just came out of a funeral. Um, are we sharing and just exuding a joyful witness in our life? Are we living a life that makes people ask us for the reasons for the hope that we have, as St. Peter wrote about? You know, are we living out loud? Do they see in us somebody different, uh, someone with a greater sense of joy, a greater sense of peace, uh, a greater love? Um, we have to model this. The only, the only way people are going to be attracted by something is if they see it and they experience it, and then they say, I want what you have. And I think we often miss that step. And I think sometimes it's because uh, we've become so intellectual in our catechesis that we, we don't even give our catechists opportunities and encouragements to share their own faith, to share their own witness. Why, why are they there on a Saturday morning in front of a group of fifth graders? There's, there are better things they could be doing. Um, and yet sometimes that catechist can be so stressed out about the kids in the room and there's no air conditioning and they've got to cover this subject. And then the catechist goes in there and they're immediately frustrated at the situation, at the parish, at the kids that are there, at the kids that didn't show up last time. And the witness that young people get is, wow, people who work for the church are always stressed out and angry at us. And you get that. You can get that year after year after year after year after year. And sometimes we don't realize we're doing that. I know as a youth minister, it was always right before the retreat started, I would be the most stressed out. And I'm snapping at kids and I'm yelling at kids, get on the damn bus, we're going to find Jesus, you know. Jesus <laughs> uh, don't realize, like, oh, wow, that's so absolutely horrible, horrible witness. <laughs> I think we can get ourselves so distracted by the busyness of, of the ministry and things that are going on um, that we forget that they remember more who we are than anything we say. So it's important that we prepare what we say and we say the right things, absolutely. But they won't remember much of what we say. Uh, they'll, they'll remember us in, in who we are and how we interact with them. They'll remember us more outside the classroom when we see them at a sporting event or at church or we connect at a grocery store and we remember their name. You know, it's interesting that most of Jesus's ministry 
um, you know, the beginning of those stories was while Jesus was on the way to somewhere else, this happened. Hmm. And, um, you know, John, Le- you know, is it John Lennon that said life is what happens when you're planning other things? But I think ministry is what happens when you plan hmm. other things. When you're doing other things, that's, that's actually the moments of that. And I think just to be ready for those moments uh, is, is a big one. And then the last, the last thought I have in that, I mean, there could be many of them, but hopefully this is helpful to the listeners, is prayer. You, you know, when you talk about those four pillars of catechesis, creed, sacraments, morality, and prayer, I think we are lightest, what I've seen at least, is we're lightest on the prayer part of it, that we don't spend a lot of time in prayer. Maybe it's because sometimes we don't feel comfortable in prayer, uh, in, you know, in just a, a more open, honest prayer. You know, I mean, we have the beauty of the liturgy and the beauty of rites within the church, and those those prayers are so rich and so deep. But I think sometimes, you know, kind of going back to, you know, my background in improvisation, um, we also need to just improv prayers. We need to take a moment and say, what do we need to pray for? We need to let moments of silence be occurring. That's actually where you're giving the Holy Spirit room to work in hearts, you know, to do Lectio Divina, to, to read through scriptures, to, you know, to do whatever those things are, but that we would really see that prayer is one of the most important things we can do, especially as they're younger, I think. You know, that's, that's, that's a real important foundation that they can just get used to praying and praying together and being people of prayer. We want to help them discern what God's voice is. And that's the real place to do it. So I I don't know. I hope that's helpful to the listeners, but at least those three things immediately came to mind in terms of how we can be more effective. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Those are great. So let me ask you this then, Bob, there's probably a listener or two or many out there that uh, they've just followed through on everything you've said and like, okay, this is good. But maybe they're saying, holy cow, I want that. Like, <laughs> Amen. Like God, what Bob's talking about. Like, yeah, I, I want that. What would you What would you say to the catechist who's out there who maybe they're experiencing this dry time? Maybe they haven't had, you know, the experiences that maybe some of us have had, but yet they want, they want to serve the Lord. But do you know what I'm getting at here? Yeah, what would no, you say to them? Yeah, the thought that leaps off my heart is, you know, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. I think as people that work for the church, that's the command we break the most uh, because we are doing good things. Like Martha, you know, was doing good things in the kitchen, but she was missing at what was best. And um, I was in Germany recently, and um, they had a great quote that I heard. It says, when, when the devil can't stop, he accelerates. And I think that is a common challenge for all of us in ministry, that we actually do more than what God wants us to do. You know, we're not we're not tempted with doing less because we love the Lord and we're excited about ministry. So then we're we're not going to get the blockade. We're going to get the push. You should do more. You should do more. You should do more. You should do more. And then we run ourselves ragged and we in our own lives drop our rest. We drop our spiritual life. We substitute our ministry for our spirituality, which is the most dangerous trap for all of us in ministry, because then we identify ourselves as a youth minister or as a DRE or as a catechist not as a son and daughter of God, which is who we're really called to be. And we don't just take that time to breathe and to do what the Lord is asking us to do. So I, I think many of us in ministry, we feel like we're just on this constant treadmill uh, that, that never stops. And, and the Lord gave us a commandment to stop. Maybe it can't be that Sunday. Yeah, I, when I ran a youth group, it was always on a Sunday night. Sunday's a great day to do ministry. It's the Lord's Day. It's the resurrection, right? Priests are doing ministry. That day. You know, the church is alive. The parish is moving on Sunday. And so 
Um, you know, I wouldn't go so litigious as to say we should shut down all the churches on Sunday. That would be a horrible, horrible idea. Um, but when, especially those of us that are professional at it, like when's, when is our Sabbath day? What are we doing, you know, once a week, uh, in terms of just really taking a day and just, and, you know, reading the Bible and praying and not wondering how we can make a really good talk out of this, <laughs> just letting God, <laughs> just letting God actually speak to us, you know, and, and connect with us. Are we, you know, are we going on a retreat at least once a year, you know, if not twice a year? Again, not to help me be a better minister. How am I drawing closer to the Lord? Because when, when our eyes are fixed on him, he says, seek first the kingdom, everything else will get taken care of. So um, we usually want to take care of everything and then put our eyes on him. I've always, you know, we all know this, we do better ministry. When I, the image I always have is I, I do the best ministry through my back. When I'm focused on Jesus and Jesus is shining through me, that's the best ministry I can do when people see the light of Christ flowing through me. When I actually turn and try to look at the ministry I'm doing, that's when I start screwing it up. That's when I spend five hours trying to make this great flyer that nobody else actually cares about, you know, <laughs> the font selection I chose for that day. Um, and and it is just really putting the first things first, you know, which is Christ. So, yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, it, it's that Martha Mary temptation, you know, like sometimes we just need to take a break. We need to we need to resign from being the savior of the world and let Jesus do it and, and allow ourselves to be imperfect and have limited time and do what we can in the time we're given and spend the right time with our families and spend the right time. with. And there's all, all of those things that are, that are so important and can be easily overlooked. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Wow. Really good stuff. Very good. Wow. I'm like a picture of like what not to do. No, that's how I can help people. I, <laughs> I can tell you where you could screw up because I did yeah. and don't do this. But there's well, so much just, of that is what you're saying, you know, like putting your ministry first and your ministry becomes your prayer time. And it's like, it's just, wow. It's so easy to do though. Yeah. And as a disclaimer, I sound way better at it than I actually am. <laughs> I mean, I'm speaking to myself all the time as well, because, you know, I heard, I was reading a book and, um, about balancing work and uh, life. And the, the author said, well, how does a, how does a trapeze artist balance? And the answer is constantly. And that's <laughs> it, it, we'd like to, we'd like to figure out the formula where we could set it in stone. If I spend this much time here and this much time here and this much time here, then I will achieve balance. And you know, the, that would be great if all conditions were always perfect, but there's winds and storms in life and there's things that are happening. And, um, and it's just, it's just constant. Like you're just, you're, you're on that high wire and you're balancing all the time. You're always shifting a little bit to the left and shifting a little bit to the right. And you're navigating what's going on. And again, if, if your eyes are fixed on Christ, you know, I heard somebody once say it's that, um, you know, the, the, the classic thing is put God first, your family second, uh, your work third, right? Friend, you know, however it is. And this pastor gave a really good homily. He said, what if we just put God first? And then just let everything else flow from that. I mean, you know, to be sure, you, you want to have this is, you know, if all things were perfect, this is what things would look like. I mean, just like a tightrope walker, it's just standing steady on that line is the goal. And then the winds happen and then you're adjusting. But if you don't have a baseline, then you're always just going to be flailing left and right. And you never actually know if you're doing well or how far off you might be, you know, from something else. And so I think having those plans of how often do I go to mass, you know, my monthly reconciliation. How much time do I spend in prayer? I love um, uh, St. Francis de Sales had a great line. He said, I think that all lay people uh, should spend a half hour a day in prayer unless they're really busy. And then they should spend an hour. <laughs> 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 and some of that is 
you know, I, I had to start thinking of it as wasting time, you know, because if you're really obsessed with productivity, prayer can seem like a real waste of time. And, and that's a great thing to sacrifice. You know, like I'm actually sacrificing time. I could be quote unquote productive. I mean, I'm speaking to the part of myself that the priorities are all askew. And I think the most important thing today is to get things done. What I think I need to get done. Um, but really having those, having those, uh, plan in place, you know, you know, a date night once a week with your wife, uh, spending time with your kids, time with your family, you know, not just daily, but weekly, monthly, yearly, uh, you know, all of those things. And, and just taking time to think about that and pray through that. What would that really look like if it was healthy? Sometimes it's great if you have a spouse. This is a great conversation to have with your spouse. You know, are we spending the right amount of time with our family every week, every month, every year? If you have a spiritual director, you know, what does your prayer life look like? But all those things are, are, are so, so important because really ministry is going to flow, is going to flow out of that. And that is, that's what's going to be effective with it. Um, you know, you can't give what you don't have is a, is a popular saying. And I would actually say there's a danger that I think sometimes we can. And that's when we're in the most dangerous place of all. You know, when you look at the lives of the apostles and Judas, for example, um, you know, when the, when, when Jesus sent them out two by two, they didn't come back and say, we saw miracles, we proclaimed the gospel, we cast out demons, we healed sickness, except for that Judas guy who wasn't very good at it. <laughs> um, he was right there with them. You know, there were people who heard the gospel from the mouth of Judas and gave their life to Jesus. And I think that was the kind of mm-hmm. humility St. Paul was worried about when he said, I'm running this race to win, you know, for fear of Having helped others, I myself might be disqualified. Mm. You know, we can get a false read. Ministry can be going great, and you can be sucking at life. And God is more concerned about the ministry he does with you than the ministry you do uh, for other people. And when we have that right priority, uh, when we have God first in our life, everything else does get taken care of. But again, it's shifting that mentality of my role with God is as an employee to my role with God as being a son or a daughter. And just enjoying that and loving that. And then, you know, what's my vocation? You know, what am I called to, a husband or a wife? You know, or even those in, in religious vocations. You know, what's the charism of that vocation? Am I, am I following through with that? You know, so all, all of those things are, are so key before we even worry about lesson plans and, and you know, curriculums and other things that also are important, you know, in, in the work of helping people become more intimate with Jesus Christ through catechesis. Man, uh, Dr. Bob, this has been so good. Uh, we didn't even get to talk about how you even bring humor into um, catechesis. Perhaps that's a whole other. Should do that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, because I think that's important to talk about. How do you, you know, how do you bring other aspects into catechesis? It doesn't have to be a killjoy. It's not meant to be. But a few points that uh, you've said here that I, I think are worth us all remembering. You know, you talked about the aim at the beginning of the aim of catechesis is ultimately to bring persons into intimacy, right? Intimacy with God and, and keeping that at the forefront. That, that's really what we're about doing when we are, we, we're, we're teaching or, or anything. That, that should be our aim. I think that was a huge point. The other point of uh, even when we do theologize, uh, all of this, there's, there's, a, there's a moment to theologize. A, but ultimately, when we are catechists, we are taking people uh, to, uh, uh, you know, it, it is the head and the heart, right? Um, Realizing that this is a process, so I think that was that was an important element that you also brought up. This kind of law of gradualness, boy, that 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 hit me like a brick in the head again. Uh, was is that catechesis is gradual? That it's it's the love story. It's wooing somebody, so to speak, through this process, and, and it's relational. 
So it isn't just, okay, I checked that off. I got this done. And, uh, you know, I told them, you know, I told them about the Trinity. Why don't they get it, damn it? Right, you, so I, I think we heard that as well, Alan. Uh, that was a, another key point that uh, that you made uh, for us to to remember here, and and just the, the importance of of caring for ourselves first in this relationship with Christ. That how important it is for each and every one of us to to really foster this relationship with the Lord, because catechesis, as you told us, it is a witness, right? Um, it is a testimony, and um, uh, if, if we do, if we are not bathing ourselves in this relationship with our Lord and the Savior, how on earth are we going to be able to give that? Otherwise, we're not actually giving something to them. We're imposing something that is probably what, what we want to give to them. We're imposing instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through us to the person that's in, in front of us. So, uh, again, there are other amazing points that you gave us, but I think those were some of them that that really struck out at me today. Um, how about you, Alan? Yeah, absolutely. Especially the, uh, just get here and be patient, you know, like when you're working with, um, in ministry with people and, and sometimes you're like, man, this guy, it's just like a brick wall. Like he's just so dang, like he just <laughs> come on, you know, and just to be patient. I mean, like you said, we, we, we probably will never see the fruits of our labor. And if we, when we do see the fruit is more than likely somebody else's <laughs> see yeah. that we're seeing blossom. Like that's, that's just that alone is, is huge. And we'll keep you going and, you know, in ministry thinking, well, am I doing any good today? You know, and, and is this the right font? Is my using the right, like he said, is this the right font, the right picture? What clip art should go here? You know? So yeah, and really good stuff. Really good stuff. Thanks you guys. It was a blessing to be on the podcast and blessings to all your listeners out there who are loving the Lord and trying their hardest to pass on the faith. And if you want to get a hold of, not get a hold of you, but if you want to see more uh, articles and things that you have to offer people, you can go to bob-rice.com, bob-rice.com. Don't spell that out. It's a little hyphen in between there. Try, <laughs> trial and error. You'll figure it out. Yeah. And uh, if you haven't taken our survey, please do so um, at ascensionpresents.com slash AR. And thank you to those who have taken the survey um, for going on and doing that. And uh, you can you can vouch for us that it only takes a couple of minutes. There's only, I think, 11 questions and just takes a minute. So, yeah. So there you have it. Dr. Bob Rice on the <laughs> line today. Thank you again for uh, it was just fun hanging out with you. Just uh, spend some time. Yeah. So, awesome. Dude. Good yeah. stuff. All right, Tom, anything else? Any closing thoughts for us? No, the man, the myth. Thanks, Dr. Bob. It's been great to have you today. All right, everybody. Take care. Keep doing what you're doing. Know that we're praying for you, and we will see you next time. Peace. <laughs>